Well, good afternoon. We thank you guys so much again. Man, I um, I guess I'll know if you fall asleep, right? But uh, I think I'll know why. Man, that food was incredible. Thank you so much. Appreciate that so very, very much. Uh, it was, I love fellowship meals because I love fellowship. Love being able to see each other. Uh, to Kendall's point, you know, one of my favorite things about hosting gospel meetings and, and going to hold gospel meetings is that usually uh, if, it's, if I have my way at home, I want the preacher who's coming to stay in my home. And a lot of times you get to stay in the home of the preacher when you go to visit. And I love that because of the fact that, to Kendall's point, we can talk about Bible things. And the most important thing is we get to talk about them in Bible ways. And so when you get to look at, at Bible things and talk about them in Bible ways, I, don't, I hope that is something we never take for granted. You know, we, because of uh, this COVID mess and everything else, I'm telling you, we took it for granted being able to meet together and see each other. And I will not knock elderships and, and men's business meetings who said, listen, we need to get a handle on how things are. We're going to separate for a week or two and we're going to figure out how things go and then we're going to get back together when we've collected some information to make sure we're not endangering uh, one another and especially at that point in time we looked at, at our older members. Um, I think we now know that we didn't need to take any breaks we, but we took it for granted. We took the fellowship that we have for granted and today this afternoon we get to look at can the church count on me and a part of that is what does that look like, my fellowship with my brethren? What does that look like one to another? And, and how I'd like to be able to look at a little bit of finding our role within the church because there is only one. And we can't just branch out and say, okay, well, I want this part and that part and that part. This isn't a smorgasbord. This is the church. My brethren need to be able to count on me. And so, again, I'll ask you, can the church count on me? Can they depend on me? Not my brethren. Can my brethren count on me? Aspect of what we look at. We think about the church. In Acts chapter 2, you could be opening your Bibles there. Uh, Acts chapter 2, we have the day of Pentecost. And on that day of Pentecost, we see one of the greatest institutions by our Lord and Savior, and that is His body, His church. As we see the apostles stand up being able to speak in tongues, these known languages at this point, and Peter, who is a little louder than the rest of them, gets up there and begins to speak with them. And he quotes the prophet Joel, and he talks about the fact that this has been prophesied about coming, that this was going to happen, that God would pour His Spirit out on all men. You'd have young men, old men, there would be... Uh, we think about the church today, we have ladies who are present, we have children who are present. Guess what? We have some that make more money than other people. We have some this morning, we don't have them this afternoon, but we had some this morning that their color wasn't the same color as ours. And you know what? That's a beautiful thing. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that we have no borders and barriers when it comes to the Word of God and especially the church. And can the church depend on me to make sure that that's the message that I spread? You know, we have a, I'm a very good brother in Christ that is a fellow preacher, and he began preaching in the South. And he got up, he got into services one day, and he said, I'm pulling in the parking lot, and he said, there's some, there's some black people walking into the congregation. 
He said, I was so pumped and so excited. And he said, I got around and I, and I went in the side door office and I, I grabbed my jacket and I grabbed my Bible and I ran out to be able to meet them and I ran into a couple of my elders and I said, hey, where are, they? where are the people that were visiting? He said, you couldn't have missed them. And he said, oh, we sent them to their congregation. We sent them to their church. The preacher at the black congregation that met in town and, and that's, they had a little other side of the tracks and that's where they met at. The preacher of that congregation was good enough to come and clean the building where the white people worshipped, but he wasn't good enough to worship with them. You know how pathetic that is? He said, I had a very moving sermon that day because they asked me to move when I was done. Brethren, we have no place for anything to be put up, any barriers, any walls, any borders. You see, God's Word tears all those things down. Christ, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and then in Colossians chapter 2, we see the middle wall of partition as it is torn down, Ephesians 2 and verse 14. In the Colossians 2 verse 14, those sister books, parallel books, talked about the fact that Christ took that handwriting of requirements that was contrary to us, it was against us, and He nailed it to the cross and got it out of the way. When we think about this in the church, in Acts chapter 2, we see here's this great institution. You have old men, young men, old women, young women. We have children that get together here with us. Now, we, we understand that they're not members yet until they become that, have that mind of accountability to be able to understand what they are. Rather than one thing I, I don't understand is when we try to put an age limit on things. We don't have an age of accountability. They did in the, under the old law as far as who wandered in the desert and who didn't, who was going to perish in the desert and who wasn't 20 years of age and older were, 19 and younger were not going to, but we don't ever see really an age of accountability. It's the mindset that people accepted the word that was and the message being preached. And we see them coming and calling and they ask, Peter's convicted them, right? We talk about that word of God in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Sharper than any two-edged sword, it's able to cut and to divide. Joints and marrow, soul and spirit, the thoughts and intents of the heart. And we look at it and we see them that day as they come before Peter and the other apostles and they say in verse 37, what shall we do? Can you understand the hopelessness in their voice? You just told me that I murdered. With lawless hands, I took and murdered the Son of God. I murdered Him. Put Him to death. Tell me that there's, there's, there's hope. That there's something I can do. And Peter tells them there, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name, meaning by authority of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice in verse 39 what he says. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel that, that we see. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, this is why we know it's not a man-made institution that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord added them to His, it's His body, right? So it's only fitting that He should add them to His body, that we don't get to vote on it, regardless of what the religious world says. Uh, they'll tell you. Now, we've never disallowed anybody to be able to join. You don't have the authority. The authority belongs to our Lord and Savior to add to His body those who are being saved. He has that right. And we'll look at 
back with me, just if you'll back up a few verses to verse number 42. I want you to see their responsibility to one another. The responsibility they had. Look what they did. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They met every day. You know, Kendall and I have had this conversation before. Several years ago, we talked about attendance and what attendance should look like. There is more scriptural evidence for meeting every day than the couple of times a week that we choose to meet. Or uh, I call gospel meetings bonus time because we get bonus time together. We get a couple extra days that week, right, that we get to come together. We call it bonus time, but should it be bonus time? I'd rather see than my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'd love to see you all every day. I think it'd be fantastic to see you every day. And I make a point to be able to see a member of the church every single day so that I get uplifted by a brother or sister in Christ every day. And I hope we all make that a point because it's at this point in time that we see, can the church then count on me? And I want to take a look at, at and help us to understand what takes place? Now, we think about those people who come forward and, and we baptize them into Christ, right? What happens afterwards? They're, standing up, they're sitting up here, right? Church ends, have the closing prayer, and everybody comes to the front, don't they? And we form a receiving line. And we come up here, and, and we shake their hand, and we give them a hug, and we tell them we love them. Welcome to the church. And then we tell them good luck. And we turn around, and we walk right out that door, and we're like, that poor sucker has no clue what they're in for. Right? In Matthew chapter 3, we have the baptism of Jesus, don't we? What happened in Matthew chapter 4? Satan. Face to face, right? Jesus sees him face to face and takes him on. Do you know what happens when the person becomes a Christian? Do you know whose radar you just went on? Satan. You went on his radar. Why? You're no longer his. And he wants you back. His desires for your soul. Peter calls him a roaring lion. You know, the thing about lions, when they roar, it's intimidating and it's scary and it's not quiet. Everybody can hear it. You know, in the mornings, especially in the evenings, lions will walk in a circle around the perimeter of their pride land and they roar. You know why? I'm right here. Come and take me on. I'll devour you. You know what Satan says? I'm after you. I want you. You see, it shouldn't be good luck. It should be this is just the beginning. And guess what? I am right here to help you. I'm not going to allow you to go down. I'm going to be right here to help you. Because we have a brother or sister in Christ. And how many times we look at a brother or sister in Christ, and I'll speak just to the, about the brother for a second. How many times we think, man, how long before you think we ought to put that guy on the duty roster and get him to work? Right? Hey, man, you about ready to teach Bible class? I've been a Christian for three weeks. He's got no business teaching Bible class. He needs to be in a Bible class. But he's got to get to work. Let's get that guy to work. You're right, he does. He does need to get to work. He needs to get to work having a Bible study held in his home or at the preacher's home or at an elder's home or in the church building with older members of the church not necessarily in age but years as a christian they need to be having bible studies 
They need to be growing. They need to be getting stronger. And this includes sisters in Christ as well. They need to learn what to do and how to grow. Back at Bonnie, we have a Titus 2 ladies class. Oh, I love a Titus 2 ladies class. Titus 2, we learn that the older women are to teach the younger women to help bring them up and how they're supposed to be in the home and how they're supposed to be as mother, how they're supposed to be in the church and what that's supposed to look like. Man, I'm telling you, you know, if we have those type of ladies' classes, we got strong ladies. You know what we have throughout the church? We got some strong ladies. Everywhere I've been, you have strong ladies. I watch ladies that come without husbands. I watch ladies who come in spite of husbands. I watch ladies who come with children and in spite of children because God comes first. You know who the church can count on? The one sitting in that chair. It's incredible to be able to see and to watch. It's incredible to see and understand how powerful that example is. And it's an example. Ladies, I want you to listen to me very carefully for just a moment. It does not matter that you are not preachers. You preach. It does not matter that you don't lead in the worship assembly because you lead. You may not be in the worship assembly, but you're leaders. You preach it through your life every single day. You teach it to us through your life every single day. Some of the strongest Christian influences I've had in my life are from strong Christian women, and I'm thankful for them. We get so caught up in who gets to lead in a worship service. Who cares? Are we honored to serve? Now, yes, we are honored to serve, and I shouldn't say who cares. Yes, we do care. We don't need to hold it at that. And, and men, please don't ever elevate yourself to think that that makes you better because it doesn't. You have an, an incredible responsibility. We have a huge responsibility to lead, but we need to also make sure that we are not above being taught, sometimes by the ladies sitting in that pew next to us. We need to make sure that we understand that that's the responsibility that we have. It helps us to stay motivated to follow Christ as a member of His body, and it helps others to know that we can be counted upon in need. Now, let's look at our responsibilities to one another. Turn with me to the gospel account of John chapter 13. Some of the responsibilities that we have to one another, to know and understand, can the church count on me? And this is where we look at ourselves and we look inside. John chapter 13, we're going to look there at verses 34 and 35. These are verses that I know many of you could probably quote. But I want you to read them. I want you to look at them and listen to those words. Because what they say are this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now let me ask you a question. Is that difficult? Is that a task? You guys get along with every single person in here. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands or anything else, but do your personalities click with everybody in here? Everybody's personality get along just fine? Now, I will tell you that I, I love Kendall to death. There's some people who don't like to be picked on, aren't there? I pick on them anyway, by the way, just because you're my family and I love you, okay? It's how that works. But I want you to understand that not always do we get along as far as personalities he didn't say you're to be best friends do you, do you read that up there do you see where you have to be best friends no it just says that you love one another as i have loved you 
Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jesus was best friends with the guy who spit in his face? How about that slapped him? How about that took the rod and beat the thorns into his head? Or the one that took the hammer and beat the, na the nails into his hands and his feet? Do you think they were best friends? What about that guy scourging him? I'm sure Jesus looked back over him. How's Mary and the kids? You think so? No. They weren't best friends, but did, did Jesus love every single one of them? Yeah, enough that he died for them. Do you understand that he's talking to his disciples right here? And he's taught, those disciples are followers, right? But followers of his. What are you and I today? Are we followers of Jesus Christ? So guess who he's speaking to still today? The people sitting right here in this room. And those of us that are from other congregations and everywhere else. He's speaking to us. And he's telling us, you're to love one another as I have loved you. He doesn't say, make sure your personalities click. He doesn't say you have to be best friends. He said, love each other as I have loved you. And he continues, he said that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. And there's the responsibility then that we have to one another. So the question, first question I have for you this afternoon is, do you love the people in this room in that manner? As Christ has loved you. Because let me tell you, is that the easiest thing in the world to do? No, it's a tough thing, isn't it? It's tough when we look around and we realize, because maybe sometimes we just need to start maybe with the person looking back at us in the mirror. And we need to love that guy or that lady. And we need to realize and understand that Jesus loved them that much too. Because I think when we start to love here, first there, then here, it spreads to everybody else. And you watch it as it spreads because there's not anything you wouldn't do for those people in that room. There's not anything you wouldn't do for those who call themselves Christians who are members of the body of Jesus Christ that he added them to. That's the responsibility we have. Now, as we read today, and I appreciate that scripture reading, as we began, we look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 again. You think about this, whoever says that he loves God and hates his brother, guess what isn't there? God, nor the love of God. We can't say one thing and act a different way. You know what has no place in the church? A hypocrite and a liar. Because that's really what that boils down to. If you say, I love God, but you hate your brother, you are a liar. That's what Jesus would call us, a liar. That's what God calls us in his word, a liar. We can't hate our brethren. We have to love one another. We have to treat each other with that type of respect. We have to treat each other in a way that they, as Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12 and, or chapter 7 and verse number 12, we should love each other, treat each other in the way we'd like to be. We call it the golden rule. Sometimes there's nothing golden about it. Sometimes in the way and manner that we treat them, our brothers and sisters, you can't call it golden. You can't call it nice. You can't call it anything decent because of the way that we at times choose to treat people. But he gives us a command, but again, that we see there in verse 21, we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Must. Do you see the condition? There's the command. We must love our brethren also. If we say we love God, we must love our brethren also. Again, 
You don't have to be best friends, but we better love, and we better show that love and demonstrate it towards everyone that we come into contact with, especially those of like precious faith. Another responsibility that we have then we see in Galatians chapter 6, beginning there in verses 1 and 2. Galatians chapter 6, beginning there in verses 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. You who are spiritual. Do you see where it says preachers? Do you see where it says elders? Now, should preachers and elders be spiritual to go see a person? Sure they should, but guess what? It's just for preachers and elders. It's for all of us. This is what Paul is writing. This isn't even one specific church he writes to, right? This is the churches of Galatia. These are different congregations of the Lord's church, and he tells all of them, you're to bear one another's burden and do so in a spirit of gentleness, meaning we're not there just to hammer them and ramrod them, but it doesn't mean we back down either. We can be gentle and we can be kind, but we can be forward and we can be blunt and straight to the point because at times we need that. Let's say, for instance, you have a new Christian, okay, and they're coming out of a lifestyle that was ungodly and they begin to cross the street and a car passes zoom right by in front of them and you hear them as a four-letter word, a colorful four-letter word comes out of their mouth. And you pull that brother to the side and say, hey, man, let's go in here to this coffee shop and sit down and have a talk. We buy you a cup of coffee. Man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for the decisions you've made to become a child of God. I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to fellowship one another as brothers in Christ. Let me talk to you about what happened there out there on the street. And we can be very kind and we can be very polite and understanding and we can lead and we can nurture in order for them to become stronger so that they're putting God first and those things that are ungodly are beginning to go away. Now let's just say that I'm the one that's getting ready to cross that street and I'm not paying attention. That car comes in front of me and I have that same colorful four-letter word that comes out of my mouth and Kendall is standing right there next to me. Boy, what are you doing? Because you know he would. And, and, and here's the thing. He has every right to. Do you understand the difference? Can the church count on me to do that? Can the church count on me when we're not being godly to talk to me about being godly? Can they wake me up even when I've, I've been a staunch member of that congregation or a member of the Lord's church for this many years? That doesn't give you the right to be ungodly ever. Do we understand? Can the church count on me? And I'm asking you just to look at yourself. Can they count on me to make sure that I'm right? Can they count on me? Listen, do you like to help people out with their burdens? I do. I love it. But let me tell you something. There are times when the same person comes up to you and they have the same complaint for the 50th time. And guess what? I'm going to have a smile on my face and be ready to help them out how I can. I may have to be a little more blunt this time. But we still have to be there in a spirit of gentleness to help them get through that. Bear one another's burdens. And look, what he, look what he says. And so fulfill the law of Christ. What's that command that we have to love one another? We look at a part of the law of Christ as 
this is fulfilling that. It's being there for one another, that spirit of gentleness. Now, make sure that we watch out for ourselves lest we fall into temptation. That's a responsibility we have to ourselves. And I'm not meaning for us to be selfish, but listen, that's what the Bible tells us to do. From time to time, we have to be selfish. From time to time, there may be something that comes up and we may say, look, I'm spiritual in many matters, but this is one of those that's going to drag me down and I can't be the one to go talk to them. You may just have to be upfront and honest and just say this is one of those burdens that I may need you guys to help me bear too. You can pray about it. We can help each other. We can get each other through it. Now look over with me. Staying there in, in Galatians 6, go to verses 9 and 10 for just a moment. Over in verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, so because of this, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Don't lose heart. Don't get disgruntled. Don't get down. Persevere and push through. You see, that's a responsibility of Christianity to push through. And as we persevere and as we push through, it means that we reap. Are we going to reap it in this life? The due season's not here, brethren. The due season is what comes next. It's what we're living this life for. The whole point of this life is to get to the next one so that we can live together. It's very difficult for me to tell you that I love you, but man, I don't want to spend eternity with that guy. You might not. Not because he won't be in heaven, but because of your heart shape. You may not be in heaven. That's the issue. That's the problem. We have to help each other. We have to build each other up. We have to be there for one another, to bear one another's burdens and us be able to be counted upon to do so. And as we have those opportunities, let's take advantage of them. You ever pray for opportunities somebody? You ever pray for opportunities to be able to spread the gospel, to have an opportunity to talk to somebody about coming to church? And they come. usually come. I'm late. I had to stop and get gas. I really didn't have time for that conversation. So we get in the car. Well, God, that was the wrong time for that. Don't you know what I got going on right now? We blame him for not taking advantage. How about we take advantage and show up a few minutes late? Because he gives us the opportunity to do it. Because we could be we could ever have done to be able to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe. Okay, so you got time to be able to stop and to have that conversation. So we're not pushing it to try to get there. Maybe that's a part of our lesson as well, that we need to make sure that we're those that can be counted upon for it. In Colossians chapter 3, verses beginning there in verse 12, we're going to go down through verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do you see in verses 12 and 13 
um, how we are supposed to look. He just told them, you don't need to be fighting over physical things. You don't need to be fighting and having physical disputes and, and um, arguing and things like that. Instead, we need to be putting on these things as the elect of God, holy, set apart, beloved, meaning loved by God, set apart for love, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. If we put those on, if this is, I want you to think about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 down through verse 17, we see the whole armor of God, right? Do you guys picture putting that on when you get up and get dressed for your day? Do you picture putting that on as well? How about these? Do you picture that you're not fully clothed until you have these on? That you're ready to be patient with people? That you're ready to be tender? That you're ready to be merciful and show mercy? That you're ready to make sure that you're bare with one another? That I, I told it the beginning, when I first got to Bonnie, one of the first lessons that I preached was uh, something on bearing with one another. And I told them that even if the crazy cat lady comes up to for the 50th time about her cat, that you'd be thankful that she came to talk to you about her cat. One of my elders' wives is the crazy cat lady. And about four years, that was just over four years ago. We've been there for four and a half years. So just over four years ago that that happened. Do you know that for the last four years, I, almost every day I get a picture of a cat from the crazy cat lady? <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, you want to talk about bearing one another's burdens. That woman, she's, she's ate up with cats, and that's just fine. I'm glad that she is, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to share in that with her. I'm not, the, I, I'm not crazy about cats. We have several, but I'm not crazy about cats. They're all outside. Um, but I would tell you that it's a responsibility we have to one another, that we need to be there ready to forgive, forget, and move on. You know, one expectation I don't know about you that I have of God when I ask forgiveness is God tells me in Micah 7 that he buried my sin at the depth of the sea. He tells me in Psalm 103 and verse 12 that he took my iniquity and he threw it as far away as the east is from the west, away from me, that he takes my sins and he remembers them no more. That's what the Hebrew writer says to me. And I have that expectation of him because he told me he would. If I'm to forgive as he forgave, it means that I don't bury the head of that axe and leave the handle sticking out so I can reach down and grab it anytime I want. It means that I cast it away and I remember it no more because he's going to remember it no more. He doesn't bring them back up and I've done far more to him than anybody will ever do to me, I promise. Okay? He doesn't bring them back up. I need not to bring them up either. I need to be willing to forgive, ready to forgive, and have that type of role. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to look at something else that we have as responsibility to one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says to them, no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but good necessary to the hearing. By whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away giving one another, even as as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I would want you to back up to verse 29 for just a minute, and I want you to see there that we have 
something necessary toward one another? Do you see what is good for necessary edification? Do you see that edifying, building one another up is necessary? Do you know that with God, He has never spoken an idle word? Ever? That every time that He says something, His word has meaning. As followers of Him, our words should have the same type of effect on people. We don't need to have any idle speak. Instead, people, I want you to look at it this way, people should walk away from us better than they were when they walked up to us because we are Christians. That's how they should walk away from us, better than when they met us. So guess what that means for even our fellow Christians? That we should walk away from one another better, stronger, and more willing to work and fellowship together than we were when we came to services originally. I think about that and how incredible it is. Who else would you want to spend time with? And if it's somebody other than your brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe we should ask ourselves why. We need to be building one another up. Edification is necessary. The next thing we need to do is help one another find their role. In Corinthians chapter 12, read all of 12 through 27. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. We are members of the body of Christ. Beginning there in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. For is the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being one also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized, Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. One body, many members. Do you see where anybody has been put ahead of anybody else? We're not ahead. You know why? Because Christ is the head. And we all then come together as the body. We're joined and fit together in Christ as He sees fit. We don't all have the same role and the same responsibility as far as our service in the body. But as the body, we have the same responsibility to one another. Can the church count on me? Can the body count on me to fulfill my part, to do what I'm supposed to do? You guys count on Kendall to be prepared for his lessons, right? You count on him to be prepared to make sure that he preaches only God's Word. And you make sure that he preaches it in such a way that we can understand, even if it challenges, even if it steps on our toes, even if it hits us in the heart and causes us to be changed. That's what we count on it for, right? You have somebody else who leads prayers. We expect them to lead it in a godly manner. Expect the song leader to lead godly songs and singing. And today's brother has been great. I love singing in here. It's loud and it's great. I appreciate it so very much. But they've got to be spiritual songs. They've got to be songs that edify and that build up, that teach, admonish, and instruct. That's the responsibility we have. It's not always easy for us to help each other find the role, but, you know, we don't all have the same role, but we are all to be counted on. And when we think about those that embody, you guys especially, I'll call you a new congregation in this fact, in the fact that you haven't met in this place for very long. But as far as the body of Christ goes, you know how you are to be in the body. And you know what it is to look like. And you guys are kind of right now an anomaly as far as um, my world would go because you guys you come together I know monetarily to say, okay, this is what I can be counted on for every week. 
and this is what I can be counted on and I can be counted on and you hold each other to there. But what about everything else? Do you look at each other to say, you know what, I can be counted upon to edify. I can be counted upon to build up. I can be counted upon to fill my role in the body of Christ so that when we come together, I'm going to fulfill my role. I'm going to make sure that if it's a handshake or a hug, if it's to bring somebody, if it's to invite people, I'm going to be there. You know, I'm so excited that you guys went out and door knocked. People are always like, oh, door knocking's dead. It doesn't do anything. You know why door knocking's dead and it doesn't do anything? Because we don't want to do it. That's why. Because the church, man, when I was a kid in the 80s and in the 90s, the church were door knockers. But you know what else the church was known for? Bible beaters. Why? Because it was right here. You know what we're not known as much for anymore? Our knowledge. That's sad, isn't it? It's not because we can't be, but we stop fulfilling our role. We can't be counted on to know the Bible. But you know what we can do? Change that. We can put it back. We can make it right. We can get it right. Can the church count on me? Because it's not just the body that meets right here. It's the body universal. We have to be able to count on each other. You know, part of that, I love the Branson lectureships and being able to see people because it brings in people from states and states and states apart. But you know what we all have in common? The greatest thing we could have in common. We're members of the body of Christ. We know our role and we help others to fill it. You know, we, we don't need to think highly or talk highly or even think lowly or talk lowly of ourselves. We always talk about being humble. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you're in the basement, you've gone too far. Okay? You don't need to talk yourself into, I'm just worthless. You're not worthless. We're the body. We have a role to play. And that role is important. And one person's role is not more important than the other because we're not the head of the church. It's why we don't have an earthly headquarters. It's why our headquarters is in heaven where Christ resides, at the right hand of the majesty on high. We are His body, and we are letting Him down when we talk ourselves into the basement. We are letting Him down when we don't fulfill our role because it's His body and not ours. We need to make sure that the body, the church, can count on us, that we are there to be submissive to one another, that we are able to, though, be counted upon and push each other. Like I told you, I love to be challenged, and I hope you love to be challenged too. This week, I look forward to challenging you because I've been challenged in putting together these lessons, and I promise you I'll be challenged as I deliver them every time. I want you to think about you for just a moment. Can the church count on you? When you look at yourself, what do you see? What is your role? Have you found your role? Maybe you're still looking for it. Maybe you need to talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ to help you find it. But I promise you, in the body of Christ, in the Lord's church, you have a place and you're important and you have a role and you need to live it and fulfill it to the best of your ability. And then I want you to challenge yourself to do more, to be more. People say, well, I can't lead. Guess what? That's okay. Nobody's going to cut you down for it. But it doesn't mean you don't even need to try. You know, I think about we have singing nights every once in a while at church. 
and I watch guys that have stumble their way to the front and get up there and their knees are their voice as they announce the song for the first and then they get started and you know what you watch they relax you know they didn't die and everybody sang right carried them get out of your comfort zone be pushed to get out of your comfort zone we need to push each other but we need to first start with pushing ourselves to get out of that comfort zone find your role live your role and more important most importantly when you do so you're living for him and it's affecting everyone around you and you know what your brothers and sisters in christ find oh that person's dependable i can count on them and when you look in the mirror you can look at yourself and say the church can count on me what's your role today are you fulfilling it maybe you're here this morning and you're not a child of god what are you waiting for what do you need to hear what needs to happen for you to change maybe you're here this morning and you are a child of god but you've not been fulfilling your role you've gone backwards down to the basement and you look at yourself as not being good enough you're good enough the Lord is the one who added you to his body. Not man, the Lord did. He saw something in you, and he knows that you can fulfill it. It's time that you saw it in yourself too. And so maybe there's something this morning you need to do to make it right. And if, you do, if there is, just do it, please. you got a family right here who's willing with open arms to receive you and to help you in whatever manner they can. What you're going to find is nobody is going to eat you. All of them are going to help you. And so today, if you have need of the invitation, please come now as together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.